attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. Over the last 24 hours, we learned we're not alone. Apparently, there's another sports hub out there, and it's in Boston, and hanging up on Hurricanes hockey reporters because, get this, they have southern accents. The station is 98.5 The Sports Hub, the morning show is called Toucher and Rich, and the co-host is in the news today. His name is Fred Toucher, which I've been told isn't his real name. I, I just heard of this station today because... The only sports station I knew in Boston was WEEI, and that's only because they've been in the news quite often with many of their employees getting suspended or fired for saying ridiculous things. Well, turns out there's another Boston station with hosts who also say ridiculous things, and it's on 98.5 The Sports Hub. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe have not heard the sound, Here is the News and Observer reporter Chip Alexander, who's an award-winning reporter, has worked, I think, in newspapers for about 40 years, being hung up on yesterday. Again, this audio from Toucher and Rich on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Not to be confused with the Triad Sports Hub. This is up in Boston. How do you explain what happened to this team after the new year? There's really a line between before January 1st and after January 1st, and how do you explain what's happened to the two goaltenders that Carolina has used? Morazic, as Fred said, couldn't start in Detroit and has been an average to above average goaltender and his backup McElhinney he's a career 500 goaltender and they're both playing well. Uh, how did this happen? Well, I mean, first of all, they started scoring some goals. Uh, Rod Brendamore said the first 20, 25 games of the season, he thought they played maybe their best hockey. They just couldn't score. And they were losing a lot of close games and in December things looked pretty bleak. But uh, then, the, you know, then the puck started going in a little bit more. And then in January, they traded for Nino Niederreiter. I can't listen to a guy with a, a southern accent talk about hockey. Did you sing up on him? Yep. I thought he was pretty good. Nope. I thought he was all right. Yeah. Nope. I Really? His southern accent, I can't take it. You know, there are teams, hockey teams in the South. Many. In fact, yeah, there's, uh, there's Florida, you which fly. has a couple of good teams. Dallas. At least one really good team. They don't have southern accents. you got to fly a guy in from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is the kind of radio I'm railing against. The, the type of radio I've tried to rail against my entire career. It's usually found in the Northeast. It's either hot take, blowhard radio like Mike Francesa has done for 30 years, like other, we, we've seen the blowhard host. Then there's bro sports radio, I'll call it. Just two guys kicking back. This guy has a rock station background. Here we are. Let's talk about sports. Oh, this guy, he's got a southern accent. Let's hang up on him. Let's hang up on him. What could he know about hockey? Hmm. That guy just sounds like he grunts deeply during sex. That's what he sounds like. What? <laughs> Listen to this guy's voice. I have no shame making fun of this guy's voice. If he's going to hang up on our people for sounding Southern, let me hear more. Do you have more from from this guy? Mm, here we go. More from Fred 
touch her. That what? guy was pretty good. <laughs> Why did you hang up on him? Because I didn't like the southern accent. <laughs> like, like we've, we've had guys we've hung up on before, and I've been like right behind you. That yeah. guy was all right. I mean, well, it's not like I hurt the guy. I just not like I yelled at him. He's just, he thinks that the guy on the other end now is thinking that the connection got broken. He's now calling back. No, what do you want Dan to tell him? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, you know, if I don't like something, I don't like something. You know, I didn't think the information. I think you deserve better, Fred. Oh, he's got a southern accent. Get it? Oh, my gosh. He's talking hockey, and he's got a southern accent. Oh. If I don't like something, I don't like something. This uh, Could you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, if I have a reporter come on the show talking about college basketball who also has a Boston accent, he comes on the radio saying, Dude, Zoyan Williamson, that kid's really good. That's pretty good, actually. Nah, little, it little, wasn't great. A little Bob Ryan in there. It wasn't great. But imagine us doing that to Bob Ryan. Imagine Bob Ryan. When he talks about him. college basketball. Yeah. And he, and just hanging up on him. Like, you know what? I don't like, I don't like that accent. This stuff, it's a cancer. That's what it is. And I've run into it so often. Bro Sports Radio... Blowhard Sports Radio, I rail against all of that. People who think you have to sound a certain way to talk about sports, I will give you an honest opinion, though, that might contradict what I've been saying the last couple of minutes, though. It would be a really funny bit if it was organized with Chip. In other words, if... They hung up on somebody as a way to try and perpetuate an Eastern Conference Finals wrestling style, us versus them, Southern accent versus us Boston Northerners who detest the South, I think. It would have been funny. What's not funny is what we heard in the second clip, Chip Alexander trying to call back in because he thought he had a bad line or got disconnected on his end. He wasn't in on the joke. So that's what makes it disrespectful. That's what makes it rude. See, there's times where you have to ask hard questions. Sometimes hard questions can lead to guests getting upset. They might hang up on you. I've had that happen to me before. Perfectly fine. But 95% of the time, probably more, I treat guests on this show like they're a guest in my home. They don't have to do this radio show. So when they come here, we tend to have fun. I got a couple emails last night from people asking me, the hell you doing with Ron Rivera yesterday? Asking everything other, asking him about everything other than the Carolina Panthers, pretty much. This is the stuff that I'm railing against. I, with Ron Rivera, for instance, we had a lot more fun. Ron had a lot more fun talking about the Hurricanes and his failed attempt at being a goaltender and other nonsense we were talking about, Zion Williamson, then if I asked him about his wide receiver situation, as if he's going to be honest there. Sports radio's changing. I don't think people are looking for bro sports radio because there are many women sports fans out there too who love listening to sports opinions and such and also blowhard sports radio. Even though this format was founded on it, and it made its way to television with guys like Bayless and Stephen A. and, and others. I think 
the future is in having fun and being more inclusive, not exclusive in telling or hanging up on a, a writer because he's got a Southern accent. Yes, Dad. When I heard this this morning and kind of got the background of the story and what had happened, my first thought, just working in this industry, it's the most disrespectful thing I've probably come across in a long, long time. Then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? That might have been the final straw that broke the camel's back to get me to be totally invested in this, in yeah! this situation. Because you know how much I hate Boston. We've gone through that. Are you going to watch this hockey game tonight? You know how much I'm here for pettiness. Yeah! And uh, I was just thinking about it as I was listening to him. Like, you know, it made me want to do something, you know, like it makes me want to like unite trolls across the triad to figure out a way to get back at the station. And I don't know what to do to to make that happen. So how about you you start by watching the hockey game? (laughs) Well, it's a good start. NBCSN tonight, right? Yeah. See, I don't have that. I got to figure out a way to figure something out. I think they have an app. I think I can get it on my Roku TV to broaden it. Whenever people from other countries simulate our accent. Hey, what does the American accent sound like? They always go to the Southern accent. They do. We, our accent, the, the state here, North Carolina, the Southern accent, it's the most mocked accent out there, even more than Boston, even more than New York, certainly more than the Midwesterner stuff you'd hear. You know, Missouri. Pants. Oklahoma. Here's my question, though, with all this... Uh... Uh, complaining and picking on the southern accent. If it's so bad, why do so many northerners move here? They all well, move down here. The the answer is obvious. We've got nice weather down here. Pretty they don't barbecue. they don't they don't move here for the accent. But I mean, if it's that annoying, I can't imagine also living in this it. guy. His first radio job was in Georgia. He's heard the southern accent before. He probably talks. Come on, the I accent. hate Boston fans so much. Me too. I do because. They are so entitled, winning 12 championships in 17 years, but that's fine if you're entitled. If you win 12 championships in 17 years, that's warranted. The part that bothers me is the lack of self-awareness, right? Winning 12 titles in 17 years, yet telling me about all the demons that are in your background. Oh, no, Craig Kimbrell can't throw a strike. Here we go again. Bleep it. You've won three championships before the World Series last year. In, in the last 13 years. I don't want to hear about, here we go again in Yankee Stadium. Craig Campbell. We're losing, we're losing Gronk. <laughs> That's how a Bostonian sounds like when they're Dude, crying. we're losing Gronk. <laughs> the accent's not getting any better. Uh, it isn't. Kyrie's ruined the Celtics. Here we go again. Not a did. Oh, my, inside, oh my gosh. <laughs> It's just so bad. That felt good last night. And, and that those people too. making fun of the Southern accent when their accent sounds the worst. Now, I, I heard it is it. unappeasing. There isn't anybody who hears the Boston accent and thinks, that's pleasant. I Nobody. Heard, I heard that the, the one we always, the Park to Car and Harvard Yard. Park to Car and Harvard Yard. Park, yeah. I'm walking here. Yeah. That, I heard that's all. You that's think not, you're better than me? But I heard that's not all, like that's only a small portion of oh, Boston, I Oh, guess. yeah. And, is and that ju- right? It's just like. The Southern accent, too. Yeah. There, there's a faction of Southerners that say Tuesday correctly, and then there's a faction that says Tuesday. <laughs> Exist? <laughs> Never heard that before. Oh. Tuesday? Travel to Eastern North Carolina, my friend. <laughs> that, that's what I would advise you to do. We're going to be sharing with Darren Vaught in a bit.
The Drive is broadcast live in the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios. Learn more about them at timwellborn.com. They can take care of you in many different ways. We talked about Zion Williamson yesterday. Bina Kimes wrote a feature story for ESPN.com. She's one of the best ESPN has. And in reading that story yesterday, we learned from Mina just how little we know about Zion Williamson. However, we'll try to learn more about Zion when Mina joins the show next. Let's begin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. It appears South Carolina caved with this headline I see that the Charlotte Observer put out there. The South Carolina Senate approves a $115 million tax break to bring the Carolina Panthers headquarters across from Charlotte to South Carolina and Rock Hill. So we'll react to that in just a little bit. A great story was published yesterday on ESPN.com from our next guest, Mina Kimes, from ESPN at ESPN, the magazine. She doesn't do a lot of college sports or college basketball, but Zion Williamson seems to transcend so many things, even Duke hate, as we've learned over the last year or so. (laughs) Mina, it's good to have you back on in North Carolina. The thing that stands out to me the most is just how little we know about this person we've covered so much. So I wonder in your mind, after all the reporting, what do you think the most interesting thing you learned was? I think with Zion, you know, people really love him. You mentioned how he, he is so lovable, he actually made America root for Duke, which is an incredible accomplishment, okay, coming from outside the state. Uh, and that lovability, you're right, it's kind of based on just watching him and the joy he plays with, the apparent kindness with which he treats people, but that's all just observed. We don't actually know. So it was interesting for me to actually talk to people who have known him, not only since he arrived at Duke, but also as a child, and to hear, no, that's that's his personality. And it's not just about being nice and treating people well, obviously those are very important things, but also the fact that he is sensitive and smart and artistic and a very curious kid. You know, sometimes when you report stories about really young athletes, prodigies, you kind of hear the same stories over and over. You know, it's just that they worked really hard or kind of were unnaturally gifted from a young age. But everyone who talked about Zion told stories about how adventurous he was in school and how much he loved learning. And I found that to be really interesting because that's not something you always hear when you do profiles of these kids. When you visited Cameron Indoor Stadium during the season, I remember me and you were talking about access and you said that you were concerned whether or not you'd get a chance to talk to Zion Williamson and get to know him a little bit and you're somebody who's covered the biggest of NFL stars you've had the profiles on Aaron Rodgers you had the one on Jalen Ramsey as well so give me a sense for how often athletes especially college players turn down being involved in profile stories such as this one because Zion did not want to be uh, featured in it or at least didn't want to give comment. Yeah, he, he's not done interviews. I mean, you guys know that, covering him so closely. You know, mm-hmm. we'll talk after the game and met him uh, in the locker room, and he's very kind and genial, but he hasn't done that kind of long sit-down yet. I'm sure at some point he will, but and apologies, I'm under a subway train right now. We're about to come out, if that sounds <laughs> kind of loud. Uh, it's a little rumbling. I'm in New York City. But to answer your question, it is very rare. 
most athletes, when they're trying to kind of make a name for themselves and get out there and they're about to sign their big sneaker deal, they do want people to know who they are. And Zion Williamson, of all people, should want people to know who he is because he he's so lovely. <laughs> but um, you have to keep in mind, he's already so famous. He kind of doesn't really need publicity. He's sort of transcended uh, that. In a lot of ways, the kid has 3 million Instagram followers. So... I think it was born of that a little bit, him being private. And then the other thing is his family really, really plays it close to the vest. His parents uh, do not want attention. And I think that has played a big role in us kind of not knowing a ton about him. There isn't anything in the article I read quoted from anybody where they said anything negative about Zion Williamson. And I know these stories. You talk to so many people to get just background and yeah. anything. How common is that piece of it where it seems like a subject Everybody seems to like. That is uncommon as well. <laughs> Nobody's liked by everybody, right? And I'd say with Zion, the only things that weren't, like, universally positive were just, uh, you know, I talked to some folks in the NBA. This didn't really make him the piece because there wasn't a lot about basketball, but talked to some folks in the NBA, and there are, you know, some cons- – I mean, he, look, he's obviously the number one draft pick. You know, there's no question. But uh, there are concerns about how his body, which is unprecedented – in every way for the league, how it'll translate to the next level, um, his shooting, what that will look like. There's a lot of optimism about those things. But those are the only question marks. And you, I wouldn't call them red flags. They're just It's normal criticism of any prospect. There, there, there aren't actual character concerns or criticism in that vein. Mina Kimes with us from ESPN. Again, the story on Zion Williamson, the education of Zion Williamson. So if you did get a chance to talk to Zion, considering all the background information you've done and what you know about his roots now in South Carolina, what would be the most interesting thing you'd like to ask him? You know, I would love to, I think the fact that a kid this age has already dealt with this level of attention and fame, I don't know how he does it, right? Because I worry, I mean, <laughs> you know, when I grew up, we didn't, social media wasn't as prevalent now, and I think the average American team probably struggles with that level the, the small attention they receive and all of the sensitivity and issues that come with that to be 16 17 years old and have drake wearing a high school jersey to have three million instagram followers to know any little misstep you make will be scrutinized and he hasn't made them really um I, I just i think i would love to know more about how he has coped with that uh and how he he's going to continue to cope with it going forward, especially if he lands in a big market like New York. What do you make of the quote from Coach K talking about Zion staying at Spartanburg Day at the end of, his, at your, at the end of your story? He, the quote was, I think it was unbe- unbelievably important for him as a person to stay in that environment it, at a place where the students treat him, quote, like a regular human being. Well, what do you make of that? I think, you know, so the story is really about how uh, Zion's schooling was kind of unusual, right? He went to a very, very tiny school, not a basketball school, an academically focused school. Uh, and for a kid, a prospect of his caliber to not only go to that school but to stay there all four years is rather unusual. Uh, Coach K, I believe, witnessed how he, because he was in that environment, playing on a team like that, which arguably, would, you know, diminished his reputation coming out of high school. He was not widely, universally seen as the number one prospect, and I think for a few reasons. He was injured, he didn't play in some showcases, but also because he didn't really play a high level of competition. Um, but Coach K saw that, and he, he saw the personality that was shaped by that experience, and how it, it, you could look at it and say, wow, the kid was really sheltered, but I don't think that's what has 
come out of it. And it's certainly not, you know, he's been at Duke, so he's no longer sheltered, if that's the case. I think it's more that he was just treated like a normal kid, and he sort of acts like a normal kid as a result. He's like the consummate teammate. And you guys have heard Kay talk about him. I mean, he's just absolutely in love with the kid, and it comes across every time he opens his mouth. We were talking to Ron Rivera on this show about your story yesterday and about Zion because he was interested in talking about everything except football, um, including, <laughs> like the Car- including the Carolina Hurricanes, who he was very excited about with them being oh, in the Eastern nice. Conference Finals. But uh, he said if he if he had him on a football field, he'd put him at tight end. His coach, David Cutcliffe, yeah. he would he said uh, that, or uh, Duke football coach, David Cutcliffe, said he would put him at defensive end. I wonder where Mina Kimes best sees Zion <laughs> Williamson, considering the video that we saw of him throwing a football, oh, it boy. seemed like 4,000 miles. I mean, I love this conversation because I'm primarily an NFL writer, guys, and I think every NFL writer who's watched Zion Williamson has just coveted, like, wants him on a football field because the kid has a football body, okay? He has Julius Peppers' body. I keep saying that. Same size, same weight as Julius Peppers, same build. Okay, he does not have a basketball build. I mean, that butt is a football butt, right? So to answer your question, though, um, he he has the, the type, I think he could play either defensive end or tight end. At this point, if he was to make the switch, you would say tight end because it's an easier position to pick up. Uh, you know, it's just like throw him in the post, have him go up, get the ball, that's an instant touchdown. And we've seen so many uh, basketball players make that switch to tight end, uh, less common later on with defensive end. Hold one second. Did you just make the transition, the radio transition from football butt to tight end? Did you just do that, Mina? I, not purposely. I'm not that smart, guys. Okay. Wow. Interesting stuff there. I, I also, uh, I'm doing research for this interview today. I read on Twitter that, uh, covering this story was the first time you ever rented a car in South Carolina. Yeah, that's true. I'm 33 years old. <laughs> what challenges did you either have to Google or that you didn't know were ahead of you in renting a car? Yeah, well, so like I said, I thought I would have access to them, and then uh, that didn't work out, so I had to write something. So I wanted to get to Spartanburg, and then the first round of the NCAA tournament was Columbia. So I normally I'll just take take a car like an uber or something or fly somewhere but there's really no way of getting spartanburg except driving up the highway so i uh you know ended up renting a car i've only been driving for a couple of years but it was that two-hour drive to get there from columbia you know listen to a few podcasts it, it was a, it was a very smooth ride wait if you've only been driving a couple of years does that mean there was a point either in your mid-20s late 20s where you real where you were very scared at some point to get behind the wheel no, so I lived in New York until two years ago. Okay. So you just don't need to drive. Yeah, you, you got subways and, and things like that. So I exactly. guess that makes sense. Uh, Mina, it go. seems like all the feedback's been pretty good on this, kind of like with Zion Williamson himself. Appreciate you <laughs> spending some time with us, and we'll certainly have to do this sometime soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. That's Mina Kimes. Follow her on Twitter, at Mina Kimes. I didn't press on this, but I'm interested. What is a football butt? Zion Williamson has a football butt? This is news to me. I kind of know. She kind of buried the lead. What is a football butt? This has only been described to me one time. And it was by, I think, Javon Curse, who used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Titans. He once said David Garrard had the best football butt. A great football butt. Just just really big and round. Yeah, it, it has to be high. Larry Fitzgerald has the best football butt. We can agree on that, right? It is noticeable. It is. I mean, you can't look at him now without seeing that rump. It can't be like a flat, like uh, nah. pancake-looking thing. It has That's to be right. bubbled and like 
I think they have to be high, too. It can't just be big. And Zion have Williamson, a Mina, objectively, as an award-winning journalist as she is, pointing out that he has a football butt. There's no doubting that Zion Williamson has a football butt. I, I, I can safely say over the course of the season, I've never looked at Zion Williamson's butt over the course of the season. You haven't? I have not. Maybe now it's I'm, because you didn't watch him in person. Now I'm gonna. You didn't watch him in person. That could be. You you can't. Well, you I mean, can't not look at it. I when, have forty when opportunities to look at it on TV <laughs> this year, but uh, now I'll have Mina uh, Mina's voice in my head when I see him tip off for the Suns or the Kings or or the Knicks or whoever. Hopefully the Hawks. I'll be checking them out. One percent chance for the Hornets. Let's go. So you're telling me there's a chance. Let's go. Speaking of the Hornets. Why Hornets fans can sympathize with what Hartford Whaler fans are going through right now. That's the first thing we'll get to when we're sharing with Darren Vaught next on The Drive. This is the Sports Hub. Are you ready? At AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We're sharing with Darren Vaught, who drops into our studio once a week for an hour or so. You can follow him on Twitter, at Darren Vaught. We'll get to throwback Chicago White Sox and movie lines a little bit later on. But the Hurricanes are getting set for the Boston Bruins tonight. 8 o'clock puck drop, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1, and... I love this story I saw in The Athletic that had Hartford profiled. A bunch of Hartford Whaler fans who remain Hartford Whaler fans are very much so split on who to root for here because while the former ownership of the Hurricanes left Hartford and left many of these people heartbroken, the rivals for the Hartford Whalers for all those years in the Adams division was... The Boston Bruins. So they really are split here, and it almost feels like to me, Darren, the Hartford Whalers are like the Charlotte Hornets 10, 15 years ago. When they weren't the Hornets, they were the Bobcats, and before that, without basketball for two or three years. The brand, the colors for the Hornets were one of the most popular color schemes to buy. If you weren't a Hornets fan, that purple, that teal, it was cool. And the same thing for the Hartford Whalers. It's one of the more popular brands in hockey. It's much more popular than the Hurricanes nationally. So how much how much of that popularity is stemmed in the idea that they don't exist anymore? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I, like, I, I, I agree that the Hartford Whalers logo, just from a design standpoint might be the greatest logo in in all of sports ever. It's simple, it's clean, it's clever. But I wonder what the fascination level with it would be if they were still a team and we had been inundated with with it all over the place over the past 20 years. I mean, A, it probably wouldn't be the same logo, but I I just wonder. I wonder. And part of the Charlotte Hornets fascination, too, it, it... it got its shine, you know, the starter jackets and things like that, because people wanted it to come back during the void in which, you know, the Hornets were, were not a thing. So I don't know if you just answered your own question. I think the way you can answer the question is by looking at the Hornets brand, those colors. Have they become less popular 
nationally now that it's not bring back the buzz, now that it's not a throwback and it's instead a blast from the past that's now the current? I think maybe, right? A little less popular. I mean, I think everyone still agrees that the Hornets are a good look, that the teal and purple is a good look, and the modern way of of using it is great as well. But maybe a, a little less. Now, now, and I'll give the Hornets this. They do a fantastic job of incorporating the old in the new. Um, and especially with their classic games this season with the jerseys and the floor layout with the purple and teal within the three-point line. They do a good job of incorporating it now because I think they recognize its popularity. Yes, Dad. I, I like the, the new updated Hornets logo right now, but... It'll never be better than the original Hugo the Hornet cartoon Hornet logo that launched the the franchise. Like that that merchandise, like back when like Starter was a big thing, and uh, you know Hornets merchandise was flying off the shelves like in the early going with LJ and Zoe and Muggsy and all those guys. Yeah, that stuff was hot, man. That stuff is still hot now. Like it's classic like collector type items if you can find that kind of stuff anywhere. So the story I'm referencing from The Athletic, it's it's titled, In Hartford, Whalers fans are still sad as their old team faces the Bruins. And they, they profile four or five Whalers fans, people who still call themselves Hartford Whalers fans, starting with Mark Rankin, who's a 60-year-old physical ed teacher. He was asked the question, Bruins or Hurricanes, who are you rooting for? He said, quote, my heart is torn in half. I watch some of their games. I listen to the radio broadcast on the computer, and I think to myself, why do I listen to the team that tore my heart out? But for whatever (laughs) reason, I can't get away from them. I'm sure when Carolina scores, I'm going to be very happy. Former Whalers play-by-play announcer John Forsland is still there. He grew up in Springfield. He went to Cathedral. He's one of us. Skip Cunningham, the equipment manager, he's been with the Whalers since day one. What I'm saying is, that the whaler in me still exists in that franchise. And that's just one of the many quotes that they have here, talking about how split they are. There's many examples of this. As we get set for game one tonight, I'm sure Hornets fans can relate to what Hartford fans felt or are feeling right now when the Hornets were without a basketball team. I, I can say that I never, when the Hornets moved to New Orleans, the way the what happened when they moved, the whole situation with the owner George Shin and him trying to get money for an arena, and the Charlotteans wouldn't give it to him, so he just kind of took the team in the middle of the night. I I never rooted for the New Orleans Hornets. It actually hurt too much to watch them, especially as soon as they left. They end up drafting right. Chris Paul, and it like it added even more on top of it. It's like oh wow, really? We could have had Winston Salem's own Chris Paul running the point for the Charlotte Hornets if they had never left Charlotte. But now I got to watch them in New Orleans in these ugly uniforms, these ugly yellow uniforms that they're wearing up and down the court. It just it hurts. That's the crazy thing about this this comparison because I think it's a good one, Josh. But but I don't know anyone who left or or followed the Hornets to New Orleans, right? Yeah. I mean, well, it was only two years that we were without a basketball team. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, just knowing what was on that roster, but but immediate in the immediate. When that, when the future of of an NBA team in Charlotte was uncertain, for for pro, at least that first year after they moved to New Orleans, I, I don't think I don't think I know a single person who who became a New Orleans Hornets fan. It felt like whereas with the Whalers, there are fans of the Hurricanes up there, but not many, right? 
Yeah, um, there, there are probably some. And like Joe, there's other quotes in this story as well. Joanne Cortesa is a 60 year old temp worker in Hartford. She was asked the same question and said, "I was never a Bruins fan. I will never root for the Bruins." Carolina, on the other hand, they have Skip Cunningham, and I root for him, but not the <laughs> team. I really can't. Series wise, whoever wins wins. I don't care. I know that the management that moved away from the Whalers, not the players. It was the management. But nope, sorry, I tried. I wish they both could lose. <laughs> so this is where we've yes. arrived. They, yeah. Imagine riding or dying with the equipment manager. That's two isolated people who have brought up. They still got Skip. They still got Skip. That's we're, our we're guy. Gonna, that's our guy, Skip. When I went to New York <laughs> to the team store, I went to the NHL team store in downtown New York City, and I was looking for hurricane stuff. I could not find anything Hurricanes. No shirts, no jerseys, no hats. When was this? This was a couple years ago. Oh, and for th- sure. I, I, it's I saw there. a puck. Not even just now, but wait, right. this offseason, they might have a bunch of Jerks t-shirts. They, they, Ooh, yeah. there, was, there was a puck. You could get a puck that had a Hurricanes logo on it. Ooh. But do you know what I could find <laughs> in downtown New York City? Whalers. Whalers shirts, Whalers hats. Really? Whal- a ton of it. How big is Hartford? Like, uh, this is a question I've been, I want to ask I've both been to of Hartford you. and... Let's just say I ticked off a lot of people in Hartford. Okay, I went to Hartford. I was broadcasting a game in the building that the Whalers used to play in. Mm. It's the XL Center now. That's where UConn plays. And for a shoot-around, I arrived wearing a Carolina Hurricanes polo. Oh, on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Do you know yeah. this man? They, 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 didn't, they didn't care much for that. <laughs> that the evil They didn't really you. care for that too much, but... Yeah, there's people who followed the team because they like John Forslund and Chuck Caton. They they exist. There's a lot of them that still like those guys. And, okay, we don't have a team. I guess we'll root for them. I, I got a question for both of you because both of you follow hockey. And I'm trying to figure this out. Darren's new to hockey. Oh, well, I'm somewhat new. Yeah, yeah. You're no, like I'm, a, a, I'm a Johnny come lately when it comes to this Canes. You're like stuff. at a level three. I'm at a level one in terms of the, yeah, the viewership level of the game. But uh, how, how in the world did Hartford, Connecticut get a professional sports team like what, how did this happen? And it sounds like they were playing it's in a not mall far, or something. It's not far from New York City. It's not far from Boston. You got to remember that. Well, and that's the Northeast. Like that's that's that's, that's the Plymouth. Hub. That's Plymouth Rock of of hockey in the United States, man. Like that's where it and all Hartford, started. And, and Hartford's a pretty big there. city, is it? That's it is. Else, it's like yeah. it almost yeah, sounds yeah. like Winston Salem or Greensboro getting a pro uh, pro hockey team to me, right? What, it was a couple hundred. I'm thousand? sure. I'm sure this is what people say. When we talk about the ACC basketball tournament being in Greensboro, how, how the heck can you have all right. these teams play in Greensboro? What are we doing? I mean, start it there. Right. The History. Head, the headquarters Hockey. are here. <laughs> Plymouth, Rock, yeah. all that stuff that Darren's talking about just a second ago, huh. that all applies there. You are listening to the Sports Hub. You can tweet us at Sports Hub Triad, 336-777-1600 if you want in on the NHL tonight. Some notes from Rod Brindamore. He said that he expects both Michael Furland and Jordan Martinook to be in the lineup. So that is newsworthy. And the Bruins are going to be without Charlie McAvoy, who got thrown out of Game 6 for an illegal hit. It's just so easy to root against Boston here. It's good guys versus bad guys. That's what this is. you got scumbags like Brad Marchand and, and guys who get thrown out of games or should have been thrown out of games and get suspended like Charlie McAvoy and and for the Hurricanes, they're the bunch of jerks only because they have too much fun in the eyes of the curmudgeon Don Cherry. And you got small market franchise that hasn't been in 10 years versus 
a team that is an original six in a big market that's in a town that's won 12 championships in 17 years. This really is good guys versus bad guys, Darren. Yeah, and and like, I'll be damned if I'm going to be rooting for the bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's the spirit. Yeah. Come on, this is yeah. Got to root for the good guys. I think you laid it out perfectly there. Yeah, I mean, you, it you makes sense to, to us. We're within the state of North Carolina, but I, I do think outside of New England and outside of North Carolina, there are a lot of hockey fans who, the second their team was eliminated latched on to the Carolina Hurricanes because of the story, because it's compelling, because it's they're the underdog. Like That's what people, generally speaking, watch sports for, right? I mean, it's what I watch them for, stories and, and, and to watch instances of, of perseverance and, and, gambling. and general greatness. And gambling. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for that crowd. I don't, <laughs> it's not a thing I do. Up next! South Carolina caving, and who's emerged as the king of May and June. This is The Drive. Ready whenever you are. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Now, The The Sports Sports Hub Hub. at AM 600, AM 920. It's time for one of my favorite segments of the week. We're sharing with Darren Vaught. He's a big baseball fan. And to keep us focused on baseball, we, we go back into the time machine 10, 15, 20 years ago, trying to find not the best players for a given franchise, but the memorable guys who were okay. So mediocre to average, not obscure bad, just mediocre to average. And the best way I know to explain it is to say, we're looking for the nickelbacks of a given team. And since we're carrying Dash Baseball later on tonight, and we'll have Joe Wild join us next hour as the voice of the Dash, we'll do their affiliate, the Chicago White Sox, who have exciting players. What is it? Tim Anderson, who has had a great month of April, who's been very exciting for the Chicago White Sox thus far. But before we get to all of that, Dez has been plotting things we could do to the other Sports Hub radio station, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston that's hanging up on North Carolina reporters because they have Southern accents. Mike suggests on Twitter that Dez have some form of assault and battery in the form of revenge. Wait, what? Uh, Please don't do that. Laura Laura and High Point once in. Laura, what idea do you have for us? We really need your help here on what to do to get back at this Boston radio station. I think you schedule deliveries every 10 minutes to that station of something Southern. Like you put in collard greens, you send them sweet potato pies, anything that we have Southern, and you fill their station with. Wow. Those are wonderful that things, is, though. This, is, okay. this has sort of a like, okay. kill them with kindness yes. 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 So, okay. element to it. So you're talking about we need to have Bojangles has to be included somewhere in there. Do you agree, Laura? I do. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Mm. Write that down. Barbecue. Tea. I mean, what kind of barbecue, barbecue. though? Lexi- Lexi- Lexington or, uh, Pulp, uh, or uh, Eastern no, style? Can we not go there? Let's choose something besides barbecue so as not to have to go there. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I think maybe 
<laughs> I think maybe pictures of all of our championships with basketball and things like that. Laura, you know? that's not that's not a good idea, Laura. They have more championships than we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. A ton. I mean, that's not a great idea. <laughs> what about Texas Pete, Krispy Kreme? No, they have Krispy Kreme and Texas Pete up there. That's not going to help no, us. No, definitely well, send Krispy Kreme because the the, the Duncan competition. Ah, definitely then send Krispy Kreme. Yeah. That's, a good, that's a good point. Texas yes. Pete is based here. All right, what else do we got, Laura? Okay, what else is really southern? Mm. Um, I think you should do the sweet potato pie. Sweet I think potato you pie. You should do biscuits and gravy. Ah, yeah, I yeah. think you should do um, some kind of southern music. Something mm. awful, mm. awesome southern. Dwight Yoakam. Uh, Dwight, Dwight Yoakam. Maybe Randy. Uh, Randy Travis. Petey Pablo. Ah, well, I mean, no. He sings the. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's his song, right? But that's not very. I know he is southern. The but song is. It's about North Carolina. How do you send? I don't know what CD that is. I thought you were going to say, I don't know what a CD, CD is. It's 2019, <laughs> Josh. I don't okay. know what a CD All is. All right. I, I love this idea <laughs> that you're, you're painting a picture for us for, Laura. Thank you so much for the submission and for you listening. You're welcome, and y'all have a great day. Y'all have a great day. That's Southern Hospitality. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There it is. See, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Let's play this White Sox game. We have this White Sox game. You can tweet us in things. We should ship. I said ship with a P. To the uh, 98.5, the Sports Hub, and let them know what Southern Hospitality is all about. We're going to go to the phones first. Let's let's get our first submission on the nickelbacks of the uh, Chicago White Sox from Dave and Clemens. Dave, give me your White Sox submission. All right, Josh, I got two. And if I took one right, I want to give a Hall Carrollson call. All right. First, all right, oh, give me one at, time, one at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Sandy Alomar. Nah. Be too good. Nah. Yeah, Sandy Alomar Jr. was was good. That means you uh, have to deliver this next one well. That means you have to deliver it to get the Hall Carrollson call. Aaron Rowan. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Dave, go right ahead. And put it on the board. Yes! Yes! Good guys. There you go, Dave. <laughs> Excellent work. I love that. Excellent work. I'm going to start things off with third baseman Joe Creedy. Oh, that was number one on my list. Yes! Damn it. <laughs> Joe Creedy. Look at this photograph. Joe Creedy sticks out. That's exactly how this game is played. Joe Creedy. Tremendous. Who do you got, Darren? Who's second on your list? Starting pitcher, John Garland. Yes! That's Look the, at this photograph. That's the first picture I have written down. <laughs> I have a question. All right, who do you got? Because I'm looking through some of the rosters of the White Sox from like early 2000, and I see like really, really familiar names. You see good players, but they were super old. So would that count based no. on these rules? I know, uh, I know you're thinking Frank Thomas, probably. No, 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 no. no. I'm actually looking more at like uh, someone like Harold Baines. Mm. He was 42. I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> Giving Harold Baines the nickelback. I just don't. <laughs> hey, uh, that's a Hall of Famer, Des. Uh, how dare you? Uh, let me ask you this. Des, can you name? Can you name? I, I played this game with other people and who are sports fans and baseball fans. Can you name a player from the 2005 White Sox championship team? Was Frank Thomas still playing? Yeah, Frank was on that team. Frank Thomas. All right. <laughs> well done. Who do you think the best player off right. that team was, Darren? Paul Canerco. Canerco? Yeah. Very good. Of course, Mark Burley was on that team, as was my next submission here, Maglio Adornez. Too good. 
He was nah. he was better with the the Tigers. No, you're right, but but I don't know if he fits here. Mags doesn't fit. Okay, I'll Mags doesn't out. fit. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at just his stats from a one. He had 181. I mean, days. he was he was a triple crown contender. Okay, fine. <laughs> How about like, Scott Pazed, uh, Pazednik? Yes, Scott Pazednik. There you go. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. I'm getting a lot of AJ Pazinski. He's way too good for this. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was great. That's no, that doesn't fit. That doesn't work. Neil Cotts? No, oh. too obscure. Yeah, too, too obscure. obscure. I don't know who that is. I don't know who uh, Neil Cotts is. All right, I'm I getting. I'm getting my my mentions look very strange right now. <laughs> Just <laughs> talking you, about if you watch Danica Patrick first, receiving you, beers from people, and if if you were. If I had the same thing Drew Barrymore and 51st States had, where every single day was a new day for her, but it was a situation where I'm looking at my mentions without knowing what I was talking about, (laughs) I would think it was very strange, all my mentions being flooded with obscure to average Chicago White Sox, and on top of that, me just being sent North Carolina staples. Yes. Like moon pies. And cheer oh. line. Oh, yeah. yeah, those are good. Yep. Definitely, definitely, definitely. What else we got? Austin says we need to find a list of their sports icons that are from the South and write them letters pretending to be those people. How many of those exist? Ooh, that is petty to the. I like that kind of petty. Hmm. I'm here for that party. Are there any famous Southerns, that, uh, Southern people who played for the Celtics? I guess Cornbread Maxwell. Cornbread Maxwell. But yeah. he's a different kind of cat. I mean, I don't know if you'd even want to be involved in this. We need. Maybe we can use Bob Ryan to our advantage. We get Bob Ryan to come on here and and uh, set the up. record straight. <laughs> he or, would do it. He maybe, would be fair about or it. Or maybe we, we can try and get him to go on that station and and represent our state a little bit. Ooh, huh? Would I'm he? not sure. What do you do? I mean, I'm not sure I mean, if he'd do it. He loves, he loves North Carolina. Yeah. Mm, that mm, I thought of a food item that would be a staple of the South that Bostonians would hate. To receive, but it has to come cooked. What's that? A vat of chitlins. Chitterlings, yeah, yeah. Chitlins. How are we feeling about <laughs> Javier Vasquez? Was he yeah. too? Was he too good? Too good. No. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. John Ranks wasn't though. <laughs> Wait. John who? Ranks wasn't. John Ranks. <laughs> there we go. There's the Kroger. John. John, John Ranks on the. How chair. about? Second baseman Ray Durham. Oh, that's tremendous. Yeah. I love the infield with the Giants. It was Ray Durham, and you also had Omar Vizquel at short. That was yeah, a and they were both game. super old, right? Juan, Juan Uribe. <laughs> yes, always yes. He's, he qualifies for like eight teams in this game, and that's, I think, the first time he's made an appearance. Wait. Freddy Garcia? Yeah. He won good. 15 games Too good. for the Mariners. Too good. Let's, uh, let's go to Mark in Stokesdale, who has a food item we need to send to Boston. Laura had the great idea in High Point. Mark, give me the food item we need to add to our list. You got to send them some southern grits. Tremendous. And I'm sure that's going to be delicious Love by that. the time that's, they get to Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll, be, that'll be a messy delivery, too. So All that's right. that's fun. That's Th- more like yeah, Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Give me one of Joe Weil's calls. Joe Weil... Every single week, he delivers calls for us, movie lines, pop culture references, old-timey baseball terms. A lot of swingers' lines find their way into this because 
We found out that we all love the movie Swingers, and Des hasn't seen it yet. But I haven't. He needs to change that. I'm going to make it happen. Um, you got to change It's on Netflix. No is, excuse. Yeah, I, watch, I watched it again this past weekend. I've watched it three times in the past two weeks. Really? Okay. It's that good? So, it's, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's, it's so money, and you don't even know it, Des. Okay. You don't right. even know it. All right. Give me. Did, did Joe work that line in? He is did. that what you're saying? He he did do that. You're so money, baby, and you don't even realize it. He did do that, but I'm not sure if it was last week. I think it was the previous week. Des, give me something. That give me something he did recently. And you just have to love that at bat from Carlos Perez, and of course the end result of it. He just flung his bat to the right and toward the dugout as if he was like a New Yorker saying, "I'm walking in, I'm walking in." And of course it gives the Dash their first run of the night. <laughs> He's so good at it, too. Yeah, we, so we're right, taking so submissions. We have, we have altered my day for the past few weeks so much that I think I've missed a couple of editions of this. I got, we got others. I mean, if you want to pull them, we've got a couple. I mean, it's fine. I'm just I'm just pointing that out. I just, Find me you're so money, baby, and you don't even realize it. In the meantime, though, Darren, give me a line we could pitch at Joe Weil in an hour. And the audience gets its own line, too, as we infiltrate the Winston-Salem Dash broadcast right here on the Sports Hub. Do 7 o'clock you, do, first pitch. Do you have one picked out? I'm still mulling through a few, and I don't want to reveal my hand because I think I'll use one. I'm probably going to go with the swingers line. I'm going to go down the swingers route again and say, you're all grown up and you're all grown up. (laughs) What? (laughs) I got it. That's probably what I'm going to go with. Hmm. I don't know what I'm going to go with this one. Well, you can mull on it. We still have another hour. Did he use Kelly Clarkson? No, I don't, I don't, know. Think, I don't, I don't think, think he, he got Kelly Clarkson. I don't think he figured out how to work it in there. That's got it. Mm. I'm going to give Darren another bit to stall because we found you're so money, baby, and you don't even realize God, it. God, I love that. Tonight, nine hits, five runs. It's almost as if dash hitting coach Jamie Dismuke is telling his offense, you're so money, baby, you don't even know it. <laughs> Tremendous. He's great. Darren, give me a movie line. Let's go with a, uh, a Ron Burgundy. Okay. Classic. Okay. <laughs> what? okay. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. Wow. How's he going to put that in there? That's that's so good. <laughs> it is. Is to give her two tickets. Wait, two hold on, tickets gotta, to gotta, the gun show. Yeah, I got to write this down for Sawyer. So the only way, I'll, t- I'll tell you what in the break. Okay. Yeah. But before we do that. There's one we egregiously forgot in terms of Chicago White Sox, and we need to cl- we need to accent this segment oh, the right way. Tadahito Aguchi. <laughs> Tadahito Aguchi, the man. That's the Fantastic. man. Fantastic. That's where it needs to be. That's where this needs to end. Darren, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this, buddy. You got it, always, guys. That's Darren Vot from the David Glenn Show. Coming up. The conundrum I'm experiencing with Rockets, Warriors, and the NBA. This is the Sports Hub. You're on the drive. Here we go. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. The The Sports Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. We're getting a lot of movie lines for Joe Weil, voice of the Winston-Salem Dash, on Twitter at SportsUpDryad. It's not too late to get those in. Before we get to Joe, let's go to James and Clemens, who has one more movie line to pitch our way via the phone lines before we get to Joe. 
James, what do you got for us? Hey, buddy, do you ever remember the movie Fletch? Fletch, yes. With, with Chevy Chase, where of they course. introduce him as he's 6'2", six 6'5", six with the afro. <laughs> and I figure somebody has to have big hair. <laughs> like an Oscar Gamble-like hair situation. James, yeah. thanks for the phone call. C6265 with the afro. That's one we can con- consider here. And we'll get to the other ones on Twitter in just a bit. Joe! Joe Weil, voice of the dash now with us. I'm going to make my way to BBNT Ballpark in just a bit. And I need you to cut me a deal, Joe. If... If the pitch that I throw, the ceremonial first pitch, is good, you describe it on the broadcast so eloquently. So, if it's not great, you, you don't have to bring it up. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're feeling the pressure. I saw some comments on Twitter telling you you can't bounce it. Oh. It is a thirsty Thursday, Josh. Oh. We're going to have a lot of people here. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people there. And um, last night, I got done with work pretty late, went outside, and I, I started throwing ball around. Started throwing ball. And I, 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 I'm going to throw on the mound if they let me. That's my plan. I'm going to throw on the mound. I'm going to get it across the plate. I've been watching video of, of George W. Bush stepping that's up. The, that's the right person. That's the one. Stepping right to the plate right after 9-11. Throwing a strike. That's what I plan to do tonight. I'm not going to lollipop it. I'm going to try and throw it in there for a strike. That's what we're going to try and do. But no way is the ball going to bounce. What advice do you have for me as somebody who's seen a lot of these first pitches go wrong, I'm sure? Just just, just pray, man. Just pray you get it over. Get it over. Don't bounce it. it you know, it's actually funny about that George W. Bush story. He, you recounted it. I forget the which publication, but Derek Jeter actually was watching him toss warm-up pitches under the clubhouse, you know, under the dugout, and he just said, Mr. President, you know, where, where, where are you going to throw this pitch? He says, I don't think about it. Throwing it in front of the mound, he says, "No, you got to throw it on top of the mound." And George W. Bush is like, "Okay, I'll throw it on top of the mound." And then, as Derek Cheater was walking out, he said to George W. Bush, "He says, but don't bounce it because they'll boo you." And that was the last thing that he <laughs> thought about as he went out to the mound. So I, I won't try to psych you out or do anything, Josh. I, I got confidence. In All you. right, so we've been going over throwback White Sox. We have a segment we do each and every week. That is, we're trying to figure out who the nickelbacks are for every team in baseball. Essentially, not the best guys from the 2000s. Last 10, 15, 20 years, baseball is a sport we're very nostalgic about. So we like going back in the past and figuring out, you know, some guys that we remember. And for some reason, there are a handful of players on every single team that just stick out. Not because they're great, but because they're memorable. Much like Nickelback, which gives us great sounds like this. Look at this and, and, and if there's a good one there, if there's a good one, that's that's what you get rewarded with. So, like, if I throw at you third baseman Joe Creedy, Look at this photograph. that's exactly what we're looking for here. Do you understand the game? <laughs> I 100% understand. All right. Who would you care to throw into this pot of 2000 Chicago White Sox, the Nickelbacks of the Chicago White Sox? You know, the one that, that, that comes to mind right off the bat, because he is one of the most remembered White Sox of that team, Scott Pudsednik, their speedy center fielder who had no home runs in the regular season, but then he had a walk-off against Brad Lidge in Game 2 of the World Series. Look at this photograph. Scott Pudsednik is really good. I'm getting a lot of this on Twitter, a lot of Tadahito Aguchi, a lot That's of that. That's a good one, too. Yeah, it's tremendous. Look at this photograph. Anybody else you'd like to... Uh... 
show off your knowledge and knowing. All right, I got another one. Juan Uribe. This oh. guy somehow found his way in a couple World Series teams. Was never really that good, but if you if, if the folks that remember Game Four of the World Series that year, he made this ridiculous catch in the stands, and then he actually made a really nice play up the middle to uh, get the final out. Look at this photograph. So. He's very good at this game. Joe Weil is the voice of the Winston-Salem Dash, who, of course, are affiliated with the Chicago White Sox. You also get movie lines in for our audience and for us as well on the show. It's a way for our show to infiltrate your broadcasts. You can listen to Winston-Salem Dash Baseball Thursday nights right here on the Sports Hub. Let's, let's hear what Joe Weil did last week. Dez, give me one of his calls. And you just have to love that at-bat from Carlos Perez. And, of course, the end result of it. He just flung his bat to the right and toward the dugout as if he was like a New Yorker saying, I'm walking here, I'm walking here. And, of course, it gives the Dash their first run of the night. Who else is in the booth when you, uh, with you when you're doing games? So I got, I got my assistant, Connor Klingon, and it was the eighth inning. I, I, wanted to get, I wanted to make sure I was going to get an opportunity to say this because in the ninth inning it could go one, two, three. So I saw a walk. Pretty, it was pretty lucky that it brought in a run, too. So I, I kind of cut Connor off and basically was like, all right, I got to get this movie line in right now. <laughs> so fortunately, he thought it was funny. Next movie line. And JJ with his 65 mile per hour fastball against the bottom of the order, struck out back to back. Potomac had to be saying, holy smokes, he's cooking our garbage. 3 2. <laughs> I love that so much. He do it so smooth. Too. I mean, he does. It's polished. Like right he's, he's, a, he's a pro, and, and it's it's polished. It's polished. That's that's what it is. I, I've never. I I can't remember the last time I watched Uncle Buck. <laughs> I can't. It's it's the movie. I mean, Dane Cook made the joke one time. I worked at Blockbuster, and essentially my job was to clean off all the bu- Uncle Bucks that nobody was picking up. That it, it that, that's the perfect movie for that. But that it's John Candy. It's John Candy. Next movie line, Desmond Johnson. This is from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is from two weeks back. Uh, Tonight, nine hits, five runs. It's almost as if dash hitting coach Jamie Dismuke is telling his offense, you're so money, baby, you don't even know it. I watched Swingers this past weekend. I was really excited about it. I went back and watched it. Joe, it, it just holds up so well. And, and and it was fun. You texting me that, and then me randomly. I was on the bus ride back from Potomac, texting you a line because that certain movies resonate, and it's just those specific lines in those movies that are just so good. That one to me is is an all timer with with the "You're so money, baby, you don't even know it." Big Bear with fangs, the one that you told me to get into the broadcast the other day too about the hockey players. Yeah, was, uh, it's all timer making their heads bleed. And the one that you texted me is the line I'm going to have you try and get into the broadcast tonight. You're all grown up. You're all grown up. <laughs> oh, I gotta write these. You're things. all grown up, and you're all grown up. <laughs> Joe Wild, uh, gonna try and work that into the broadcast tonight. What do you got, Des? I got a question, uh, Joe. Did you ever use the "I wish I knew how to quit you"? I did. I'm trying to remember what week that was now, though. But might have been the first week. I, I, def- I definitely did. You guys are going to have to try to find that one. Wait, do you, do you have any other ones you care to co- throw at Joe? Because I have a ton of them here from the audience that yeah. we could go to. Um, the only I was trying to be short this week because so it feels like it's easier to get the shorter ones kind of peppered in there. How about uh, You Complete Me from Jerry Maguire? Do I have to say it very slowly like 
like uh, Tom Cruise does. You complete me. There you go. I don't know. Maybe after a home run or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't no, know. How you're no, doing no, this. no. We're just no providing them the paint. Yeah, we let the artist paint. The we artist. don't tell them where to paint. You're we the just artist. tell the artist. Yeah. You you give him the paint of which he uses on the portrait on the on the soon to be uh, piece of art. Let Let's go to Twitter. You tell me which of these you like the best. Okay, Joe. We've got Kyle tweets in from the Departed. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. Hmm. Just, I like that one. I like that one. Justin writes in, don't let this robe fool you. This is the only color they had left. That's Chris Tucker and Rush Hour. So say that one, one more time. Oh, yeah, I don't, well, see, all these, you got to tell me which of these three you like the best. You don't have to do all these. Just tell me which one you like the best out of these three. Don't let this robe fool you. This is the only color they had left. I'm the guy that, that does his job. You must be the other guy. And from Boondock Saints, where are you going? Nowhere. I'm going with I'm going with I'm going with the first one. Gotta go departed. I'll yeah. try to get make it a box a Boston accident there as well. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you so much for trying to do that I for want, us. I wanted to put this out there, guys, by the way. Okay. By the way, our opposing pitcher, his name is Adam Scott. So <laughs> what I was thinking, if you had any lines from uh, uh Parks and Rec from Derek in uh Oh, and Step Brothers. Oh, you guys can put that in there as well. Oh my gosh, Step Brothers. Yeah, we got Step Brothers lines. Oh my gosh, because they but would sing in their Derek. cars. It has to be from Derek. It's got to be from Derek. It definitely has to be. Okay. I mean, he was such a jerk face. <laughs> I mean, his line was, you, "You're just gonna go punch me in the face. You want to punch me <laughs> in the face? I mean, that, that one. That's the one that sticks out to be the most." Oh, uh, mm. see, the problem is all the best quotes you have to like. They're making them. fun <laughs> of Derek too. How about we just keep it simple this week? Even though Adam Scott's on the mound, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it simple. With you're all grown up and you're all grown up. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy, and you complete me. Actually, Sounds no. Me. Actually, no. Darren Vaught had one. Darren Vaught just sent one in for us. You ready for this? I'm ready. Ron Burgundy said. The only way to bag a classy lady is by giving her two tickets to the gun show. <laughs> Good luck! Yeah, I don't know how it's gonna, I have no idea how that's going to That's out. right, man. It's great advice. The only way you bag a classy lady is by giving her two tickets to the gun show. Joe, it's advice. Joe... Have a great right, call well, tonight. <laughs> we'll, you're we'll, getting me on that line where I'm not sure, but all right, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> we'll we'll see you at the we'll see you at the ballpark tonight. Wish me luck. We'll see you there. We believe in you, Joe. Sounds good, Josh. Good luck with that first pitch. Right, don't thanks. bounce it. I Remember, won't. Don't I won't. Bounce it. I won't. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> so you got to give me those lines. That so how many how many is, does he have at his disposal tonight? Four. Four. Okay. As always. Yeah. Give me give me those and uh, I'll I'll get it to you. Yeah. Brent says that. From Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Want to make $17 the hard way? Gosh. I'm trying not to give him stuff that's like... You don't know anyone named Johnny Hopkins from Step Brothers? Yeah, I'm coming through Step Brothers quotes right now. And like most of them... You this is say. not nom. There are rules from the Big Lebowski. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. From Jack. What do you got in Take It to the House stories today? 